Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, y'all, we're continuing our series today called Truth or Dare. And you, you guys probably remember playing this game as a kid, right? And we're also faced with this same dilemma as adults, because our culture, we live in a culture that's like drifting further and further away from God, and we're faced with this choice. Are we going to follow the truth that we find in God's word, or are we going to dare to live like the world? You see, in the, in the game, whenever you played it as a kid, there was a negative consequence, right, regardless of what you chose. You chose truth. You had to reveal something that you didn't want people to know, and then you chose dare, and you had to do something that had a negative consequence. Well, in the context of your spiritual journey, there's an obvious best choice. You choose truth by following the truth that we find in God's word and, and coming clean about all those things that you're, you've been hiding from God, which he knows anyway, by the way. And you find freedom whenever you do those things. But you dare to live like the world, and then you're going to find yourself drifting further and further away from God. And when that happens, you're drifting further and further away from your purpose. And this whole series is actually based on the book of Daniel, which is a book that you'll find in the Old Testament of the Bible. And Daniel lived in a time where the people of God, the nation of Israel, well, they were actually drifting further and further away from God, and they found themselves into a little bit of trouble, and they got captured by Babylon. But, the, the, but Daniel, he took a stand in the midst of all the compromise that was going on with his people. And as you probably know, history tends to repeat itself. So what we see in Daniel, we can definitely parallel to what we're seeing today. And y'all, we need to learn how to live like Daniel. He gives us a good example to follow. So in week one, we talked about how grace and truth go together. You guys remember that, grace and truth? Yet we feel like we have to keep them separate. Like, if I, if I follow the truth found in God's word, then I have to be really passionate about telling people what's wrong in their lives. Or if I'm over here on the grace side, like, if I'm going to extend grace, then I can't ever confront people about what's wrong in their lives because that means I don't love them. Well, the thing is, like, neither of those extremes is right. We actually need to find ourselves in the middle where we offer grace and truth. We need to be generous with grace while standing for the truth at the same time. It's possible, y'all. And then last week was probably my favorite week of this series because I got to uncover the biggest secret of the devil. And I was so excited to do that. You see, every ounce of ungodly behavior is rooted in one thing. Every one of the devil's lies spawns from this one lie. And it's when he convinces you that you need to elevate self. So the enemy's one and only trick is to get you to elevate yourself above God. So he did it to Adam and Eve. He said, here, y'all eat this fruit, and you're going to be smart like God. So they elevated themselves above God. And he does the same thing today by getting you to believe that your way is better than his way. Like my plan for sex is better than God's plan for sex. Or my plan for money is better than God's plan for money. And we get stuck in that trap. And that's why you hear things such as my body, my choice as an excuse to kill a baby. That's why, you, that's why it's called the pride movement because we're elevating our choices above the word of God. Y'all, they, the world chose these terms, like, and, it, and it, they couldn't be any more fitting. So I'm, I'm really glad that they gave me fuel for this, because it's like, ha ha, you know, they did it to themselves. So now that you know what the devil's biggest secret is, it's easy for you all to recognize whenever he's trying to mislead you. You can just th- sit there and think to yourself, you're like, am I elevating myself right now? Because if I am, I'm following the wrong path for my life. And here's what you need to do instead, you need to elevate God. You need to proclaim that everything that God says and everything that God does is right, and you stand on the word of God as the ultimate truth in your life. And don't waste any time arguing that your way is better, because I can promise you it's all going to come back, and the word's going to be true in the end of it all. 
Because when you elevate God, here's the coolest thing. So you spend all this time like trying to elevate yourself and like prove yourself to people and like show people that you're good and all that stuff. And then you never really get anywhere. Like there's still people that it just, it just doesn't, doesn't work. But whenever you elevate God, he elevates you to a place of honor. Like you don't have to do the work. You don't have to elevate yourself at all. If you're spending your life elevating God, I can promise you people are going to honor you. People are going to respect you because that's just how it works. But today we're going to talk about standing because you can't go very far in the Bible before you get an instruction like stand firm, keep standing. Has anybody ever seen that in the word? Well, take a look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. So here we have it again, just like we learned in week one of this series, stand firm in your faith, and while you're at it, do everything with love, right? We got to have both of them. Like, you don't have to give up, you don't have to give up love to stand firm. You don't have to be ugly to stand firm. No, you can stand firm and love well at the same time. And there's a story in the book of Daniel that actually illustrates this the best, and it's actually the story of the fiery furnace. And if you grew up in kids' ministry, you probably heard that story, and and it was a good time. And actually, I remember our kindergarten through fifth grade class, they just went through that story about two months ago. And Talon, who was teaching that class, told me that he had the kids, like, kind of repeat the story in their own terms. And so our drummer's son... He, here's, he said something along the lines of, you know, that fire was so lit, it slayed anybody that even came close. So I could probably get him up, get Jake up here to tell us the story, and you all would be super entertained. <laughs> but we're actually going to go to Daniel chapter 3 and read this story. Daniel 3 verse 1 says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. What? Like that is a huge statue. 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide? Good grief. And then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all the important people come, we're going to dedicate this statue. So all these officials came and stood before the the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. I highlighted that word because culture always wants to make it sound like you don't have a choice. They're going to command you to do it. They command us to follow their ways, and they tell us that their way is best for humanity because all culture is interested in is elevating self. So what's interesting is that culture will actually never tell you not to follow God. They just flatter you with elevating yourself, and in that process, you end up not following God because you're elevating yourself. Really crazy. All right, let's keep reading. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, what does the zither sound like? Anybody? No? All right, there we have it. I'm kind of glad we don't have one of those on the worship team then. The lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship the King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. So I want you to notice here, again, how the command is to worship a statue of man. I'm telling you all, the devil's biggest trick is elevating self. Here we have it. Here's another example for you. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people... Whatever their race or nation or language bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue the king, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So just like we see in our world today, you have masses of people following a really stupid rule. Worship this gold statue. Okay, let's, let's all do it. But there's always those few who don't fall for it. And those are the people that drive you rule followers like crazy. Like we're talking about the ones who are coming home into Owasso, and they ride out that left-hand lane all the way to the end. Who, who is that in here? Yep, yep. 
<laughs> We're not going to get in that argument this morning, whether that's right or not. But I'm, I do it too. I ride the whole thing out. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, we remember those guys, right? Whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you've set up. So this is going to be hard for my rule followers to accept. But there's going to be times where you should not follow the rules. Anytime culture creates a, a rule that goes against the word of God, you're not obligated under any means to follow it. You're, you have my permission. Break, break it. Break the heck out of it and let them know. So now for all my people who don't like to follow rules anyway, I want to say that like, this isn't an excuse for you to like, break the speed limit. This is not an excuse for you to not pay your taxes. You know, I just thought I'd throw that out there for, for anybody who needs it. But just like culture does today, whenever we go against one of their rules that they set up that they want us to follow, they have this reaction. And it, it happened in Daniel too. Then Nebuchadnezzar, he flew into a rage in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, you guys, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you're going to be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from? My power. What was Nebuchadnezzar doing? He was elevating self. So this is the exact reaction culture has to us whenever we choose not to follow one of their rules. And they fly into a rage and they, and they call us names. And then they give us this ultimatum. I'll give you one more chance. Right? And we've all felt this pressure in our lives, like for the ladies, like maybe when you were younger and you were out with a guy and he wanted to do something that you didn't want to do and you felt pressured to follow that. Or for the guys, maybe you were with the group of the guys and, and they were watching something that probably should never come before your eyes and, and you didn't want to be there, you didn't want to do it, but you felt pressured to do it. You felt pressured by culture to fit in. So the devil, you see, he's really friendly when you're following culture, like really friendly. But as soon as you take a stand for something else, as soon as you take a stand for the word of God, he throws a fit and he gets in your face and, and he tries to scare the heck out of you. But when you stick it out and you keep standing firm, you get to the end of it and you realize that he's just this like little chihuahua on the corner. You know those chihuahuas that think they're like a big dog? Like that's a perfect representation of the devil right there. Like all you got to do is kick that sucker across the room. So you just got to stick it out though. So the truth, here, this is why the First John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater. So like the Holy Spirit's in you, and that's what's greater than the one that's in the world, which is the devil. So that's the truth right there. You don't have to fear culture. Yes, it's loud, and, and yes, it's hateful, and, but it has no power over you because God lives on the inside of you. So don't give in to it. So today what I want to do is I want to prepare you to take a stand. No, I don't want you to be intimidated by culture anymore because there's no reason to be. And here's the first thing you need to know about taking a stand is that standing firm actually takes courage. And we're not talking about the person who's like not afraid of anything. We're talking about the person that still feels that fear, but they just choose not to bow down to it because you have a choice. Let's see how it turned out for these guys. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not worried about what will happen to us. These guys were chill. But I, I bet you they did have a moment before, before they said, oh, oh, oh crap. This guy's going to throw us in the furnace, right? But they chose to disregard that fear, and then something else rose up on the inside of them. So you really don't see this quality much in Christians today. Like we've just kind of like given in to the fear, and like we bow down to it. And we shouldn't do that anymore, because like I said earlier, courage isn't the absence of fear. 
Courage is standing firm in spite of my fear. It's when you decide, all right, I'm going to do it, even when your heart's pounding and your mind's racing. And when you decide to step into courage, when you make that decision, something powerful happens. That's when God steps in and he fills you up and, and he does what only he can do through you. But you got to step into the, you just got to take that first step and then he fills in the rest. And then here's the next thing you need to know about taking a stand and that standing firm takes faith. You have to believe that God's on your side. Like you have, you need faith in the fact that God will keep you safe and he's not going to leave you. You need faith in the fact that God loves you regardless of what's going on in your life. Here's how it turned out for these guys. If we're thrown into the flaming furnace, this was their mindset. Our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. I would say these guys had faith in God, but it gets even better than this. Look at it. But if he doesn't, if he allows us to die in the furnace, please understand, sir, see, they were still being nice there, that even then we will not under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've erected. So these guys had faith that no matter how this went down, God was going to choose the best outcome, even if that meant they were going to die in the furnace. Man, that's powerful. Because when you're, in a Christian, when you're a Christian, you're in a win-win situation. Did you all realize that? Die for your faith and you get to go be with God. Live for your faith and you get to take other people with you. I mean, that's pretty cool. But we get so confused like when Christians, they die before like we feel like it was their time to die. Like, we're like, why wasn't God looking out for, for them? And if he wasn't looking out for them, will he look out for me? Anybody ever had that, that, that doubt? But when we have faith in God, we trust that, that even when we don't understand, God knows what he's doing. So what's better, for someone to be healed and to live a longer life here, or for them to go be with God? Yes. They're both good. They're both good choices. We have no place to question what God does or doesn't do. We, we don't have a place to question it. We simply need to trust that what he does is right and true and just. And when you take this stance, when you believe that you're in a win-win situation, because you are, nobody can touch you. Because it's like, you kill me, and I get to go be with Jesus. You let me live, and I get to keep impacting the world for Jesus. Ha! What you going to do to me, Right? Take a look at how this story ended up. Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, he cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he ordered the furnace to be fired up seven times hotter than usual. That furnace got lit right there, right? That's when it happened. He ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. So these guys, they were bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, and they were pitched into that fire because the king was in such a hurry and the furnace was so lit. Flames from the furnace killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into it while the fire was raging. And then suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and he said, wait, 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 didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. So come on now, this is good stuff right here. Because of the courage and the faith that these three guys had, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go hang out with them in the furnace. And we're going to have a good time while we're in there. And take a look at what happens next. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace, and he called in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the high God, come out here. So they walked out of the fire. All the important people, the government leaders and king's counselors, gathered around to examine them and discover that the fire hadn't so much as touched the three men, not a hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. There it is right there. You can be in culture with, flaming, with the fire all around you, and then you can step out 
and you don't even smell like it. Like for so long, Christians have been like just stuck, thinking that they got to separate themselves from culture and go hide over here in the corner and barricade the doors so that I can be safe from culture. When God's saying, go into the fire, step into the furnace, because I'm going to come and hang out there with you. And then when we step out of the furnace, you ain't even going to smell like the culture. You can be in culture and impact culture and it not impact you. Amen. So good. So we don't have to barricade the doors of the church to keep the world out. We don't have to create a safe place for mature Christians to come and separate themselves from the world in here. And we're not going to do it. No, we need to get out in the world with courage and with faith and make a difference for the kingdom of God. And while we're taking a stand, we got to bleed love. Because the only right motivation for sharing truth is because you love them too much to watch them live a lie. That's the reason we share truth. And then I'm going to talk more about that next week, but here's the last thing I want you to know about taking a stand, and that's standing firm inspires others. Like, you think they're going to hate you for it, but they actually end up loving you for it. You know, it's really quite the phenomenon, like as a pastor, there's a lot of pressure to kind of like skirt around the hot topics and, and deliver a message that won't cause any controversy or people to get upset. But the thing is, like, that's not what people want at all. You're looking for a leader who's going to lay it all out there and tell you when culture's going against the Word of God. You're looking for, you don't want me to fluff it up and make it pretty. You want me to lay out the truth in a way that you guys can understand. That's what you want. You admire people who take a stand. I admire people who take a stand. So why do we believe that we're going to be standing all by ourselves whenever we take a stand? Because I can tell you, when you take a stand for the truth, you're going to inspire others, and they're going to be standing right there with you. Coolest thing. And let's look at what happened with these three guys in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored my orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any god but their own. Therefore, I issue this decree. Anyone, anywhere, of any race, any color or creed, or who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be ripped to pieces limb for limb, and their house is torn down. So here's a good example right there of people who got the truth, but not quite the grace yet, like they haven't brought them together. Nebuchadnezzar was getting a hold of the truth. He's still got to work on the grace part. But there has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The very person that they were standing against was inspired by the fact that they took a stand. So even the most unsuspecting people are going to be there taking a stand with you whenever you take a stand. So cool. So I want you all to go ahead and throw off that lie that when you take a stand, you're going to be there all alone. Because you're not. I'll be there with you. At this point, you might be tempted to like actually focus on like, okay, what are we going to stand against, Cade? Like, what do we need to stand against? But I don't, I don't want to spend energy on what we're going to stand against. Let's focus on what we stand for. Just like the guys we just read about, they, they weren't standing, they weren't like at the statue, like holding whatever you call it, uh, rallies or, I can't think of the word. Protests, that's the word. They weren't holding a protest at the statue, tear the statue down. No, they were taking a stand for God. They were taking a stand for something. You guys get, see the difference? So I want to give you three things that you can stand for. And the first one is you got to stand in prayer. And this may sound, this is kind of funny to say, but I think we've over-spiritualized prayer. Like, we've turned it into this thing that, like, you have to do for a certain amount of time or, or it doesn't count. you got to say, like, a certain kind of words or it doesn't count. God didn't hear you. But prayer is not a religious exercise. Prayer is a conversation with God. And it can't be quiet because can you imagine, like, sitting in a room with somebody and they just sat there 
and expected you to read their mind? All the husbands in the room know what that's like. <laughs> but that's what we do to God. We say things like, this is my quiet time, plus God knows my heart and he knows my thoughts, so I don't, I don't need to say anything, which is true. He does know that stuff, but can I propose to you guys that prayer actually comes alive whenever you start using your words and praying out loud? Has anybody found that to be true? So put some personality into your prayer. Talk to God like he's actually in the room, because guess what? He is. So prayer is not a passive activity. It's actually like going to battle. You don't read very many prayers in the Bible that are passive. They're all active, and they're coming against something with passion and courage. And that's, that's why the Bible says this. It says, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. So stand your ground. Does this sound like somebody that goes into prayer and is like, God, you know, if you, if you want to meet, meet my needs. God, God, if you want to heal my body, but only if you want, you know. No, this is somebody who goes before God with confidence and boldness because they're confident in who God is and they're confident in who they are in God. They know that God's listening, so they enter their prayer with boldness. So some of y'all need to upgrade your prayer life. You've been too passive, it's time to open your mouth and start talking. And if that's you, what I want you to do is I want you to take home one of these books today, if you don't have one already. And maybe you do have one, you've been reading it. But you got to stop reading it, and you got to start saying it. So where I want you to start is at the very beginning of this book, there's a prayer called the Lord's Prayer. And it gives you exactly what to say. Like I'm saying, read it verbatim, but read it out loud, and read it like with energy and passion. It's going to feel really weird at first, but by the end of it, you're going to be kind of fired up. You're going to be like, man, why haven't I been praying that way all along? I'm serious, y'all. So take one of these home. They're out there on the lobby on the big table if you don't have one already. And then here's the second thing you need to stand for, and that's stand for my, stand for my purpose. And the reason I put this on there is because all of hell is coming against you to get you distracted from your purpose, the reason that you're here. And all these distractions often show up as harmless activities. Like it's, it's not always like sin or something like that. It could be like a higher paying job or like sports or something like that. And please get me here. I'm not saying those things are bad. They're only bad whenever they distract you from your purpose. Does that make sense? And then you get stuck in the, some people get stuck in the idea that, you know what, I, I'm just really not even good enough to like go out and make a difference. So why even try to find my purpose? And that's a lie too. I'm telling you, every, the enemy's going to do everything he can to keep you from living your purpose. And that's why you have to be intentional about taking a stand and guarding your purpose. And you may be sitting there thinking, Kate, I get that. Like, yeah, guard your purpose. But the problem is like, I don't know what my purpose is. Like, I just don't know. And first of all, I want you to know that you're not the only one that feels that way. Actually, every single person in this room has had a season of their life where they were like just kind of wondering, what am I supposed to be doing? And there's probably people in here right now with the same struggle, looking for their purpose. And that's why I'm so excited to kick off Growth Track next month. In two weeks, we're kicking it off. So Growth Track, what it is, is it's a four-step process where we're going to help you guys discover your purpose. In other words, by the end of Growth Track, you guys are going to know why you're here. Not why you're here at church, but why you're here like on this earth, what God put you here to do. And here's how it's going to work. Every Sunday after church, Growth Track will take place from 12.30 to 1.30 p.m., and y'all are already throwing objections at me. I can feel, Kate, I'm, hu I'm hungry after church. Kate, I got kids. Well, we're going to feed you. We are going to watch your kids. And you got no excuse not to come to Growth Track because you need it. And step one of Growth Track happens on the first Sunday of each month, step two on the second Sunday, and so on. And it's, you only have to go through each step once. 
but we're going to repeat it every month. So let's say you like hit week one in October, but you miss week two because you're out on vacation or something. Well, you can come back in November on week two and get that and catch up on that one. Does that make sense to everybody? You only have to go through growth track once, but you can span it over multiple months if you need to. But if you can go through it all in one month, that'd be awesome too. So this kicks off the first Sunday in October. So if you're struggling to find your purpose, hang tight because we're going to help you find it. It's going to be good. And here's why we need to find our purpose and stand for it. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you and always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. How can we do that? Fully to the work that God's given us if we don't know what it is. And that's why it's important because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Have you all ever like done some work that didn't really matter? And you got to the end of it, you're like, why did I waste my time? Well, when you know your purpose, none of your work will be in vain because you'll be doing exactly what God called you to do. And, you know, there's been so many things that have tried to pull me away from my purpose. Like, y'all would probably be really disappointed because some of y'all think that, like, I've always known my purpose and it's just natural for me to walk in it and it's no big deal. But I'm in the same boat as you guys. All of hell is breaking loose, trying to pull me away from my purpose. But what I do is I take a stand. I'm taking a stand for my purpose and nothing's going to distract me from my purpose because I know what God's put me on this earth to do. And you guys are going to know too after growth track if you don't know already, and you'll be able to stand for it. And here's the third and most important thing to stand for, that you got to stand for God. And this may seem really obvious, but take a moment to really think about this. Like, why should we stand for God? Because he stood for us first. Like, he took a stand for us. All we did was come against God, and we were following our own way, and we were living these crazy lives, and... And God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, even when we were in that state. Like we weren't even pursuing him and he pursued us and he took a stand. He's like, those are my kids down there and I'm taking a stand for him and I'm going to save him. And he didn't do it because we earned it. Can any, did anybody earn it in here? He did it because he loves us, just like we sang this morning. And one of the best ways we can respond to that is to take a stand for him. You see, God's my father. And anything that's in me that is good is because of Jesus. Sometimes people look at me and they say, they point out the good things in my life as if it's me. And I'm not deceived. I know that nothing in me that's good came because of me. It all came because of Jesus. And, and he's been pouring into my life for, for years now. So everything that's in me that's good is because of Jesus. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it because all I can remember is God pulled me out of my mess and, and he made me his own. He said, you're my son and I'm going to help you live your best life. So here's my word. And so that's why I believe his word. That's why I trust his word. And that's why I follow his word, even when it hurts, even when I don't want to hear it. So don't question the Bible. Believe that everything in there is true and right. And don't hide that you're a Christian. Like be confident in the fact that Jesus saved you. And don't hide the fact that you follow the word and that you believe in the word. Be confident in the fact that you follow the word because you know that it's true. You got to step up in confidence. Don't you got to take a stand for God. you got to be bold and confident in what you know to be true. Because in Matthew 10, 32, this is Jesus talking. He said, stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. As if Jesus owes something to us for taking a stand for him, right? And yet he's saying he'll stand for us if, if we stand. And then God took a stand for us before we even stood in the first place. So it's kind of like this kind of weird, like full circle thing of this, this whole standing. And still, you know, when we take a stand for God, Jesus stands for us. Let me show you something really interesting to, to drive this home. You see in Colossians 3.1, it says, Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
So Jesus isn't standing. He's seated next to God, and he's praying and talking to God about us. But why is he not standing? Well, there's actually one time in the New Testament where Jesus stands. And it's when a guy named Stephen, he was out preaching the gospel, and he was the first Christian ever to die for his faith. There's been millions since, but what they did is they they tied him to a pole and they threw rocks at him, big rocks, until he died. And while he was being stoned, look at what happened. It's found in Acts 7. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So Jesus does stand. When does he stand? When I stand, Jesus stands with me. When you stand, Jesus stands with you. What a beautiful thing. Like when you take a stand for God, you're not standing alone. Jesus is right there with you. When you're out in the world and and fire is blazing all around you and culture is trying to get on you, Jesus shows up in the furnace. He says, hey, we got this together. When you stand, Jesus stands with you. So let me pray over you guys. Lord, I pray that you just dump courage on everybody in this room. Lord, fill us with strength and courage to go out and take a stand for your word. God, we believe that, that your word is true. And Lord, help us to see that culture is, it's, it may be throwing a big fit, it may be loud, and it may look scary, but it's not. It has nothing on us. It has no power over us. Lord, give us a deeper revelation of that so we can go out and stand and not be discouraged whenever culture throws a fit. Lord, I thank you for courage. Lord, we want to take a stand for you. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. Some of you in the room may be having a moment right now where your your heart's crying out and you're stirred on the inside because you know you haven't been taking a stand for God. Like maybe you've been a compromising Christian or a backseat Christian, or maybe you're not a Christian at all. You just know that your commitment level to God is not where it needs to be, and today you're ready to take a stand. So with all eyes closed, nobody looking around, if that's you, if you're ready to take a stand for God, I want you to just raise your hand. Say, I'm taking a stand for God this morning. Because it all starts by taking a stand in your heart. Like this is something that happens on the inside before it ever comes out on the outside. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer today to make a commitment to God. So church, I want you to join me. We're gonna say this prayer together. So go ahead and repeat this after me. Jesus, I've been living without you and I don't want to do it anymore. I've done a lot of things wrong and I need your forgiveness. I accept your love and grace for me. And I ask that you would be my Lord. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for washing away my past. I hand my life over to you. And I ask you to help me walk out your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, we're going to take a stand. Y'all ready to take a stand? Yeah, amen. Let's give God a shout of praise. I'm going to have Amy come out here and close us out. Y'all, I'm so excited to see what you're going to do because y'all going to get out there and take a stand.
absolutely awesome. So we are preparing our offering. If you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand for an offering envelope. We've got our wonderful guys, Brian on this side, Chris on this side. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so give him a shout out. Um, you can also give with a debit or credit card, or if you want to do that, use the instructions on the screen, texting. Or if you're listening online, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi and then tap the giving button. If this is your first time at No Limits, we're so glad you're here. We just love having visitors and we want you to come back. You, you guys are special and you make this happen and we just want you to feel safe here and comfortable and come back again. Um, we believe God has a great plan for your life. He wants to accomplish great things and we want to help you get there. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I just thank you that we can be comfortable. Um, <laughs> Coonrod said this morning something really neat that we are, it's like going to grandma's house. We know where the cupboards are. We're comfortable here. And Lord, we just thank you that we can serve here and we can give and we can be cheerful about it. It's not a duty. It's not anything that binds us up. Your yoke is light. Your burden is easy. And I just thank you for that, that we can just do such a, few things, little things, serve, be glad, you know, give, um, love one another. It's easy. <laughs> and I just thank you for that in Jesus name. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.